0: So, I, you know, it's so interesting. Uh, you know, I think, the, first, first of all, I like a lot about the work, of almost everything. I, I like the grassroots nature of it. I like working with the local partners. I liked at the time I, I was there, Service you. was really on the cutting edge on, of a lot I of different things. will be the eyes so that I just can be.
1: This is another episode of a special series called Enough for All of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. This series sheds light on 75 years of an NGO called CWS. My name is Moody's Bloom and I welcome you to another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is um, another episode of our podcast about Church World Service. And I'm really thrilled today because we have a really special guest, and that's the CEO of uh, Church World Service, um, who's actually worked for us before as well. So I would like to ask Rick to introduce himself and tell a little bit about, you know, um, who he is and, you know, his experiences. Rick, can yeah. you please go ahead? Yeah,
0: good morning, Maurice. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Very excited to have some time to talk with you about Church World Service and my experiences there. Uh, My name is Rick Santos. As you said, I'm the new CEO of Church World Service. Um, I've been uh, working in the field of international relief and development for over 25 years. My time first started, uh, actually, uh, my first overseas experience started in 1987, when I was a volunteer teacher uh, for, uh, I was a volunteer mission with the Presbyterian Church USA, and I was teaching at a place called Bangkok Christian College in Bangkok, Thailand.
1: And, and Rick, was that, during that time, was that also the first time you heard about CWS, or was that earlier or, or later?
0: No, no, that's exactly the first time I heard about Church World Service. In fact, I remember I was a member of the International Church of Bangkok. And I remember, uh, so they would have a coffee time after, after the, uh, the service. And I was just talking to somebody who seemed nice and his name was Skip Daggers, And I think in the course of that conversation, I was, uh, by the way, Skip, what do you do? And he then went on to tell me he worked for church world service. And I said, what is church world service? And he explained to me, uh, both what he did, uh, so he was doing a lot of work in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia at that time. He was the regional director, and um, so that was the first uh, experience I had with church world service, and then I met also a member of the international church, a guy named Jack Dunford, and Jack um, was the church world service rep for Thailand and Burma at the time, now Myanmar, and so, and I got to hear about what he was doing, so it was, it was super exciting. I was, I was, I was, uh, I, when I heard about the organization, what it did, I, I thought it was great.
1: And and at that time, what uh, excited you most when you heard about the work? You know, what was it? What did you attract um, to CWS?
0: Well, so so for me, an, on one level, I was uh, I was a, a teacher of uh, of English at a Thai high school and junior high, and so you know most of my day was around doing that type of work so but my my larger interest of coming to asia um one of them was to really understand kind of the culture the world the context in which it 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 revolved around it and so when i talked to skip about like wow so so you actually go into vietnam i thought it was close to to people, and, and he says, No, we're, we're going in there. And then, you know, uh, Jack dealt with a lot of the refugee issues. So so at that point in, in the late 80s, Thailand essentially was the refugee camp of Southeast Asia. It had uh, Vietnamese, uh, Laotian, and Cambodian refugees. And while I was there, um, actually, kind of there's a deja vu moment because right now, Aung San Suu Kyi was just opposed by the military junta. Well, in in, in, in uh, sorry, 1988, when I was there, mm-hmm. uh, she won the election for the very first time, and she won it by like a landslide of over 70 percent. And then the military uh, put her under house arrest for I think 15, 20 years. And so, so you know, we were getting the first refugees from the Burmese side at that time coming over the border. So really, it was a it was um it was a kind of exciting time to be in Southeast Asia. And then when I was talking to these two people, uh, I was really just just really intrigued by what they did um, and how they uh, responded to some of these different issues. Uh, so for Vietnam, it was closed borders. For for Cambodia, it was post-Pol uh, Pot. For, uh, for Laos, it was, you know, again, post-war reality. So uh, so both on the development, emergency response, and on the refugee and humanitarian side. So it was just a very, I kind of felt like I, I learned a, a real lot about about the world um, during those conversations. And, and it really, and, and they worked for this organization called Church World Service, and they were doing all this great work in the world. So that's how I was really introduced to them.
1: Um, so yeah, so Rick, tell me then, you know, how what was your first job with with uh, church world service?
0: So uh, you know, I spent uh, after I left Thailand, I, um, I I went to seminary for two years and uh, got a degree in theological studies, and then I taught in Denver Inner City uh, for a couple of years, and um, frankly, I I had this itch to go back overseas, really wanted to go back overseas. And my, I built, uh, you know, kind of a correspondence with Skip and and some others at CWS, and I was just uh, writing them one day, saying, you know, I'm really interested in coming back overseas. Do you know of any positions available? Not not necessarily with their organization, but with with anybody. I wanted to to go and live in Southeast Asia again. And actually, I heard back uh, from not from Skip, but but uh, from a guy named Lonnie Turnipseed. And Lonnie was the uh, Southeast Asia, I'm sorry, the East, yeah, the S- Southern Asia Director for Church World Service at the time. And uh, so Lonnie uh, basically reached out to me and said, we're looking to fill one position in Vietnam. Would you be interested? And so long story short, I said yes. And and so my first, literally, I think it was the, the summer of, or late summer of, it um, would be 1994. Uh, So I got on a plane for for Bangkok and then on my way kind of stayed in Bangkok for for the orientation and then was flown flew into Vietnam. And that was my first position. And I was met there at the airport by a guy named Perry Smith and uh, and and Perry and the the CBS driver kind of drove me to the um, into town into Hanoi Uh, and. And then Perry said, "I don't want to see you for for a couple of months." And I was like shocked. I'm like, "He said you need to learn the language. That's the first thing you need to do is learn how to speak Vietnamese." And so, he literally like banned me from the office—not for a couple, for for probably about three weeks. And I figured out a way how to get into the office and to work. But but um, anyway, so that was my my kind of my first introduction. And then. Literally, we were on the road probably as soon as I can remember being there. In the sense of, you know, CWS had projects all over northern Vietnam, and so we were out visiting projects almost immediately.
1: You know, in Asia, you also worked um, in Bangladesh, you were seconded. Um, to Christian Commission for Development in Bangladesh. You did that for a couple of years and then you went to Indonesia. Um, You know, what do you like about the work of CWS?
0: So, you know, it's so interesting. Uh, You know, I think, first of all, I like a lot about the work almost everything. I, I like the grassroots nature of it. I like working with the local partners. I liked at the time when I was there, church will service was really on the cutting edge on, of a lot of different things. So in Vietnam, for example, because of the our member church's um, uh, anti-war stance, we were one of the first organizations to get uh, registration in Vietnam. And uh, and so we were really one of the first organizations working there and supporting uh, the people of Vietnam on a kind of a grassroots basis and through, of course, at that time, um, the local the local governments because um, that's how that's that's the only way you could work there at the time. So I felt like each each of my field experiences with CWS. So I had three, as you mentioned. I had you know my I had three years in 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 uh, Vietnam. I had two years in Bangladesh and two years in Indonesia. I felt like all of them were just truly a rich experience and a learning opportunity. So my first three years in Vietnam really was all about how to run small programs, how to work with with local partners, how to, you know, I learned how to put budgets together, uh, do everything kind of like a real whole set of skills. Um, I wasn't a technical expert, but I was more of a manager of resources and and supporter of technical folks. Uh, in Bangladesh, I think in some ways, Bangladesh was probably the most fruitful experience I had um, at, 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 when I was overseas with Church World Service, partly because I was, we were seconded, you and I were both there at the same time, but we were, we were seconded to CCDB, the Christian Commission for Development Bangladesh, a local, uh, NGO that was actually founded by CWS back after this it split with Pakistan and became Bangladesh. And then it was run by a local uh, Bangladeshi, uh, Susanta Arikari. And mm. Susant was just like a brilliant guy. I mean, just really brilliant. And I like the fact that his team was multi-faith. I mean, Christians were, uh, were only less than 1% of the population of Bangladesh. Um, but it was this Christian development agency unabashedly. But the team... And it was Hindu, Muslim, um, and they were doing really good work. And and I, I felt like Bangladesh at the time, I don't know if you re- think the same thing, but was was in a sense its own development incubation lab, right? It was like there was so much going on. The Bangladeshis through larger institutions like BRAC and Grameen, but also on the smaller scale with us at CCDB, were trying different things, really trying to deal with kind of the long-term systemic Uh, Causes of poverty and trying to lift people out. I have two really, uh, really interesting memories from that Bangladesh day that stayed with me. I think that the first was um, how they, uh, CCDB was already getting out of microcredit at the time. Like microcredit was essentially going to be the silver bullet to development. It's going to, it was going to be the change maker and microcredit's great. And it's done a lot of good, but it never, it was harder for for local organizations or nonprofits to really do microcredit in a way that kind of more financial institutions or institutions that were created just to do that were able to do. So I like that they were always forward thinking and in a sense ahead of the trend. So I have that memory. The second was, um, and some of the small projects that that we were supporting, um, there were uh, there were elections. there were local elections, and CCB and our projects kind of supported a lot of female candidates. And so I think it was the first time that that essentially a, a huge number of women were elected, for example, to the local government and 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 parliament. Uh, and I, and I feel like the support that we gave. Um, th- those communities help empower those women t- to run for elected office. So, you know, I think of that, it was like, wow, that's just, just you could see change happening there. Uh, so that was exciting to me about being in Bangladesh. And then I would say uh, when I went to Indonesia, it was just another completely different lesson in development. And and when I went to Indonesia, Churchill service had closed its office for about two years and I think, well, I know they regretted it. They didn't. They didn't think it was time to close. And for some reason, the local um, country director in Indonesia decided to close it. Um, and uh, and so they asked me to reopen it. And then also um, there was some uh, U.S. government money available through some of the um, the USDA grants um, that that mm-hmm. uh, are, are given to do food security um, and to do small kind of projects around food security, such as, you know, rehabilitating uh, wells, but also
1: uh, uh, irrigation. That was during the economic crisis in Asia, right? When you reopened. Yeah, that's
0: right. That was, so that was like 98. Yeah. Later, very late 98. Um, And so just kind of dropped in there and just had to do everything from scratch Mm -hmm. because nothing was there. There was no infrastructure, anything. And luckily we had the the local partners was the uh, PGI, the the um, the Christian Church of Indonesia, the the South Sulawesi, um, uh, essentially, essentially chapter of it, and um, and so we I was able to hire a couple of interesting people who who were smart and were going to help me, and then it just kind of grew from there, and we had to write the application to U.S. government, which we had I had never done before, which CWS hadn't really done in years, and so that all kind of came together, and we won the bid, and we were off doing uh, a lot of projects again through local partners for the most part, but um, yeah, so it was an exciting time. It was just like everything was new. Like I had to, you know, there were no systems for anything that I was doing at the organization, so we had to kind of create those systems as we went. Um, we hired some good people, luckily, and um, and so it just it, it all worked out. So yeah, it was just 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 you know everything I did in those first uh, mm-hmm. seven years was was just. W- mm-hmm. was a lesson was a was was a classroom um and i made a lot of mistakes along the way but i felt like we we learned a lot and um it kind of set me up for whatever the mm-hmm. next thing was Yeah.
1: no thanks for that and and you know before we would jump to what you did for for church world service when you were at the so-called headquarters you know we we, we uh you know, we did work together for for two uh, years. I, I ultimately, you know, I, I was there for seven years, close to seven years. Um, but I I um, I would agree with you, those two points that you mentioned in terms of microcredit, what I really appreciate about Church World Service, they always did research. So they found out that, you know, in a lot of those villages where we, CCDB was giving out microcredit, we had enormous repayments rate, right, uh, 90% and up. But the research that we did showed that, you know, our repayment was made by a credit that they would get from BRAC or from another NGO. So, you know, um, yeah, there is no. I mean, as as we have learned, I think there is no magic bullet or silver bullet for for uh, for it. I mean, you need a scale of activities, and uh, um, you know, and and microcredit often has has been celebrated as this is it, this will solve everything, and, and it doesn't. Um, that doesn't mean that microcredit did not do a, a great big deal in, in, in Bangladesh as well. The other one is, is I, I really appreciate that one in terms of you mentioning the empowerment of women, that um, Bangladesh as, as a whole has um, really pushed for that. I mean, you see the differences between some of the surrounding countries that did not have that, you know, put women front and center. Um, so Bangladesh did a lot of um, catching up as a result of that, and and uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, that's what I learned there as well. Is, is uh, you know empowerment of women is really key in in yeah in so many aspects of, of uh, making this world a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I would say also just yeah. I, again, if we want to just talk about Bangladesh for a second,
0: you know, I I, I really appreciated being fully seconded mm-hmm. to a local <laughs> organization right so in a sense my my headquarters was new york but my boss yeah. was susanta right and so so and 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 he you know just watching them um how do you say manage a lot of mm-hmm. donor partners uh, watching their what they had to go through how i think they were tested unfairly mm-hmm. in so many different ways by their donors how they were a minority uh kind of church you know being a christian group um in a in a in a and a majority Muslim country, just just all the the kind of the challenges that that brought, um, just also the work. I mean, some of these places were some of the the poorest places I've ever seen. I mean, I think I, I have memories of, of of just how poor, you know, Bangladesh was, and um, so just just so mm-hmm. much respect for for them as a local institution, and you know, so I, I carry that with me. I mean, I really, you know, you know, a lot of groups talk about. You know, for example, in the last 10 years, we've either it's called USA Forward or the new partners initiative or, or things like that. But but in fact, church world service this is one of the things I really appreciate about them is they've been working with these local partners for decades. And they're really good and they're really strong and they know what they're doing. And so, you know, it, it's almost like I feel like, you know, the rest of the, the, the development community is 20 years behind this thinking.
1: Now, I remember, you know, um, at that time, uh, CCDB also had the round table where, you know, the so-called partners, uh, you know, were around the table and, and, uh, you know, CCDB would um, share the plans and then, you know, the, the par- different partners would say, "Okay, this is what we can support." You know, the reality is, as you also maybe uh, recall, is that was a donor meeting. Very often, I mean, you know, and so and some were better yes. than others. Yeah. And to be on this on the re- recipient side, right? Because we were working for for uh, for this Bangladeshi NGO, I really felt awkward, and and um, yeah, it it often went against. Um, you know what we are saying in 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 the in the narrative. You know we are a partners. We work together, but we had to to explain every single um, step that we were making. And um, I'm I'm not I'm not against um, you know being uh, how do you say that responsible or or uh, accountable. But uh, you know there I think because we are talking here about uh, the 90s. Yeah, I mean I I think there also progress is made, but. At that time, it it was uh, often a, a donor meeting and not necessarily a partners meeting. So, uh, but but uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I agree. I mean, I think there's a fine line between accountability yeah. and
0: transparency, which are, mm-hmm. are super important, and essentially trying to manage or yeah. micromanage their programs. And so, I, I felt like you know, there were definitely times in that so-called donor or partners meeting that I felt the donors stepped yeah. over that line, um, and so um but but you know but ccd it was able i think they were what was great about them is they they understood essentially the sometimes i would say the misunderstanding um and they were able to to to, to manage all of that with with, with incredible grace yeah. actually and also ability to actually get the work no out.
1: you're so right i mean you know you mentioned susanta as, as a as a kind of a mentor and, and definitely he, he was because very often, you know I was much younger than I am now. So I was much more upset than he was (laughs) (laughs) to see him handle all these issues with such grace, um, was, was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. I, what I also learned, I don't know how you think about it is, you know, he really always created an opportunity for the younger generation to, you know, to make mistakes and to learn and to create that space. Uh, which was pretty amazing, um, you know. As as a, for me, at least as a leader, so I always try to, yeah, to mimic him and and uh, because it worked for me. I was I'm so grateful for for the enormous opportunity that he provided to to me when I was working there. So, yeah. Hey, Rick. So so tell us. So you know, after Indonesia, you um, was then called back. I if I remember uh, to New York. Um quite a, a lot happened because that's also around the time that uh, church world service split from the National Council of Churches. So th- can you tell a little bit about that? You know, why why did you go back and what happened?
0: Yeah, so I, there's there's a bunch of reasons and a b- bunch of factors about why I went back. But I think um it was a, a very kind of interesting time to be, be back at the, the headquarters. Um, you know, I also want to say that I actually, I've worked with um uh let's see one uh so three i've worked with three previous uh cws uh, uh executive directors or ceos and i i met one uh, at another time but after he had been in that thing so i met dick i met dick butler at one point and dick had been the ceo or the executive director uh, that was the title of church world service and and I met him essentially later in my my career. But I I worked for Lonnie Lonnie Turnip City He was Southern Asia director. Um, then became um, the uh, executive director of Church World Service, kind of as an interim. And so I worked for for Lonnie. And then uh, Rodney Page was hired to be the uh, executive director. And Rodney was there for five years. So I was actually I overlapped with Rodney's entire term, uh, a bit of Lonnie, and then and then Rodney's. And then of course worked with John McCullough. Um, for the rest of my tenure at CWS, so so I actually had the experience of having met and known, you know, uh, essentially four other uh, uh, CEOs of Triple mm. Service. So you know, at that time, um, I was in so so it, kind of tragic reasons actually. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember um, Larry Tankersley. Um, I so, do. Yeah. Yeah. So Larry was my boss uh, when I was in Southeast. So so Lonnie hired me. And then literally became the executive director of church world service. And they hired Larry to essentially be, be the Southern Asia director. So mm-hmm. at the time, Churchill service was run by regional desks. And so Larry actually had, uh, had a, um, um, a, a, a terrible situation. He was just about to retire. They did a, a colonoscopy and found a very large tumor. And essentially, he had six months to live. So uh, so originally, they they were looking for somebody to fill in his space. And I felt like, uh, you know, I could have stayed in Indonesia another couple of years. But but I was asked by Rodney and, at the time, Linda Hartke to come in and, and take on that responsibility. So I felt pretty obligated to do it. Plus, I'd been overseas now seven years. And, uh, you know, it was a good time. I thought it was just going to be a small break. And then I would head back overseas.
1: Um, and and so- sorry, Rick, Linda Hartke was the... deputy uh, director programs right at that time yeah so that's right so
0: linda so rodney page was the executive director and linda was the was the deputy director of programs and so i was asked to come to um to church world service to take on that responsibility and 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 frankly i thought that's what i came to do and thought i would just do it for a short time and and i would then move back overseas or something like that well I got there and I find out that 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 actually there was a much larger kind of transition afoot. There were two things going on. One was a complete restructuring of the organization. And then the second thing was um, a change of essentially uh, affiliation from being a, a program of the National Council to an independent 501c3 organization. And the interesting thing about church world service was historically it had been separate and then kind of, in, in kind of at one point it joined and then they just, the leadership felt it was time for that change to go back to being independent. So it was just a, it was a really um, significant time in the life of the organization. And uh, it really took its toll, I think, on everybody at that time, because just that was a big, people don't realize how controversial that was at this time. I mean, I think Rodney was, was you know just under a lot lot mostly Rodney and Linda were under just tremendous stress at that time um so I actually went from being the um the the director of the Southern Asia office to a restructured CWS to being the interim director of the social and economic development program so they went through essentially moving from a regional approach to the programmatic work, to a, a a so-called functional approach to the to the programmatic work. So yeah, it was just a, it was a lot a lot of changes, uh, uh, a lot of things going on. And I really appreciate um, uh, both my colleagues at the time, as well as as Rodney and Linda, in the sense that you know Linda really was just just Linda is an incre- incredibly detailed person and really incredibly talented. And you know she helped. Get all the pieces t- brought together, and Rodney um, was an incredibly—I um, uh, say just just a vision a visionary for where this needed to go, and and then relentless in pursuing that vision. And so, you know, I don't I, frankly with I, I don't know if this would have ever happened without the two of them there at that time. Um, I think I think Churchill Service still would be a part of the NCC, frankly, or, or the the split would have happened. Um, further on, after um, maybe uh, more difficult, some difficult times. So, yeah, it was just a, it was a really uh, interesting time to be uh, in New York and, and to be at Threshold Service.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for for uh, telling that story. And and if I remember it well, so right. After the split, then basically uh, Rodney uh, retired, right? And and that's when when uh, John McCullough started interim first. If I'm yep. if I okay. And and what was your position at that time? With, with, so uh...
0: so I was actually I think I I, I bridged those two uh, two leaders mm-hmm. through being uh, at a social and economic development program. I can't remember exactly whether that was done under Rodney or that came with John but I basically took that role on essentially at that moment. Uh So I probably was working for John as the SED uh, director for probably 15 months. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'd been there for on three months before he came. Um, so that, that, you know, John was truly the one that, that, that operationalized that plan. Mm -hmm. And so, um, um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of change. And so, um, yeah, so so then that's when I started working for John and and started, uh, you know, working with actually several of our colleagues that are still with the organization today like Martin Correa um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. So, and, and,
1: yeah. And so did you not also then um, start the technical resource unit or was so, that part so, of, oh, S- of, I mean, of this? Yeah.
0: No, no. So that was, so, so I think we went through some changes, you know, mm-hmm. John, uh, uh, John, uh, was looking, I think for, um, um, he actually was very clear to me that when I, when I took on, when I was running that, that position that I was an interim. Mm-hmm. And so he actually competed that position. And so as he did that, I took on some other responsibilities. And okay. so I, I went on to what's called technical. I, I probably had three different three or four different mm-hmm. titles during that period, yeah. uh, strategic planning, uh, technical right. resources, um, uh, monitoring and evaluation because we were just in the nascent, not that I was an expert in the, the, the M&E space, but I was the, the one representing uh, church world service at meetings and trying to move mm-hmm. us in that direction. So there was just a, there was a lot of different things that I I was I was taking on. You know, essentially I felt like I was the Swiss army knife of the organization, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a need there. So they asked me that, you know, whenever there was a need and we didn't have a clear person to fill it, I would yeah. step in and and support Uh, the organization the best I could
1: Wow Um, Okay, I would like to take another step and that's, um, I'm showing you here the book that was written uh, when CWS was celebrating 50 years Yeah. Yeah. and it's called Church World Service, 50 Years of Help and Hope, so you know if you would be asked to write a book about 75 years of, of Church World Service what are some of the keywords that you would use in the title?
0: Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. So of course I'm, I'm drawing a blank Uh, health and hope I think are just are wonderful. I would, I would also make sure the word hunger was in there. Mm -hmm. I would make sure the word community was in there. I would make sure the word um, most vulnerable because church world service works with the most vulnerable communities. (laughs) Somehow that I, you know, there's of course too many words to put in the title, but, um, you know, I also feel really strongly and I haven't mentioned this yet, but I was really mm-hmm. when I came back to the States, I felt very connected to the crop network and our local and domestic side of, of work. And so, I, you know, any chance I could to support them, I, I tried. And, you know, I feel like we, you know, this whole idea of the crop hunger walk is, is education. So we're educating. We're not just fundraising, but we're educating uh, people in the U.S. about communities overseas. Um So yeah, so yeah, vulnerable, a community-based, local partner, um, I would say, um, innovative, you know, churchwell service, I think has been innovative over its history, um, adaptive, you know, I I don't think people realize if you look at the history Mm -hmm. of churchwell service, how adaptive it's been as an organization. So it started out as we know, as the, you know, with the grain train, so Mm -hmm. post-World War II, um, uh, our, our member churches uh, organized uh, food to be sent to Europe and also to Japan. I saw a video mm-hmm. just recently on, on the support and actually the first country director uh, for a consortium of church based uh, organizations in, um, in Japan post-World War II was actually the the head of church world service had the, the church world service uh, director name. So, so it, it created this incredible um, amount of 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 goodwill and 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 humanitarian work in the aftermath of World War II. Then, then as you know, time evolved. It evolved to an organization that did you know development, not just humanitarian work, but development work. And 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 it shifted from Europe and Japan to essentially the rest of the develop, the developing world. It, those countries were no longer developing uh, once they were reconstructed, and so so i just feel like churchill service for example i don't know if this is well known but churchill service was one of the couple of organizations that sat together with the us government and wrote the pl 480 law so the pl 480 law governs of course a lot of the food aid that's given globally but we were part of that conversation so so wow you know to be invited to be at that table to really have an impact uh churchill service had to be able to do that and so it had to it was innovative in the sense that it reinvented itself from one thing to another and i think what i what i see churchful service continually doing is reinventing itself to to meet some of the external environmental challenges
1: hmm. yeah no thanks for 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 um, I, I mentioning that i I, uh, I i totally agree with you when i think about it um i i think you know w- what you often have seen in in uh, the history of churchful service that has been doing, you know, m- many different things, but was never afraid also to speak out, you know, if if it if the organization thought this is, you know, inj- unjust, and uh, so I really appreciate that, and and um, but also in practical ways of, you know, what can you do then to change the situation? Not only, you know, raise a voice, but also come up with with, uh, you know, but this is how you can change the situation. So I I, yeah. I really appreciate that.
0: So let me, just ju- well, let me just jump in on that one again. So I, I really think, for example, my time in Vietnam mm-hmm. is really a good example of that. So so Church yeah. World Service was, uh, you know, as part of I think the other thing is connected to its members. So the mm-hmm. member churches that make up Church World Service was so critical. So, so for example, you know, a lot of the CWS members, as I mentioned earlier, were part of the anti-war movement. And frankly, that's an example of advocating for a certain uh, uh, thing. And then when when they we could, we were in there working on the other side, helping uh, people, uh, both on the development side but also on the kind of a post-war uh, reconstruction side. So you know for me, there was just a lot of um, um, a tremendous amount of kind of commitment. so, so we speak and we have a voice, we take a stand on an issue, and then we actually do the work to back that up. So So yeah, just just really important um, uh, and, and for who we are.
1: Um, piggybacking a little bit on on, the, on you know the, the, the historic evolution of the organization I always uh, say that you know Church World Service started as this US Christian organization that always tried to work ecumenically and you know it slowly evolved into being a global organization that's more interfaith or, or completely interfaith if you hear me say that do you agree and you know if, if so why and if not um, also Please explain.
0: So I, you know, this is this is where I think the, the 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 that from my perspective, Church World Service is still both, right? So it's still connected to its church roots, which are really really strong and really important to the identity of the organization. But I think it has to evolve away in ways to to, to address a changing world. And so the world around us has become more interfaith and more less essentially Christian and. And so, the work that we do has to have elements of, of, of that. And so, I, I think, so I've seen churchill service adapt to that, but I still think, in a lot of ways, it's still, it's, it's connected to those, um, to those Christian roots. Now, now even those have changed, right? So, so you know, the, the member churches of that make up churchill service are really special in a lot of ways. They are churches that often say all are welcome. And that's not a necessary feature of, of of churches, other churches in the U.S. So, so being being in a, a church that's all are welcome is really, uh, to me, uh, kind of the evolution on. the, It's still connected to those roots, but those roots actually have evolved as well. So, yeah, I think it's it's you know it's a it's it's well, it will continue to be you know all of that will continue to be in in a kind of in some type of an adaptive evolution, um, and you know it's exciting because. Um, I think Churchill Service is able to uh, bring in, I, I would say different partners, uh, be in different conversations um, that are really critical to uh, the overall kind of mission um, and work that we do, which is essentially helping the most vulnerable in in some of the most difficult places in the world and, um, and really being a, a critical kind of a link uh, between I would say um, the US and the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, Rick, and I, I really, it's really fun to listen to you also because a lot of the anecdotes and, and the, the, the names of the people you mentioned I know uh, very well as well. Um, if you have to name one colleague, a partner, or a supporter of CWS who best embodies what CWS is about, who will you name and why? That's really hard.
0: I mean, the 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 tricky part is one. <laughs> so, so I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do more than one. So, so, so for, for me, uh, I would say you know, on a partner side, it's a group that we already talked about. It was uh, CCDB. Um, I just it, it embodied. It's 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 an organization um, not the biggest, but but having incredible impact. Um, a group of people just completely committed to making improving the lives of some of the most poorest and vulnerable people um and so uh, you know i would say uh, susanta arikari and and ccdb for me if i had to pick one um i think there's there's i've I've had a lot of colleagues over my history with church world service um so it's really hard to kind of put one over the other but i would say um, you know, for me, maybe in general, I would say I'm always been impressed by um, by the crop walk and and by the the community organizing that we do um, as an organization. Um, and then, uh, you know, so that was partner. That was, a, you know, I, I think there's, you know, I I could name a lot more, but we'll we'll just we'll just we'll just stop with those.
1: Okay, um, can you maybe? Share an anecdote or an experience which best describes your time with CWS, or a memory. So, <laughs> an anecdote.
0: Um, yeah. So, so I would say, so one of the things. Uh, uh, I, so when Rodney Page was the CEO, and he he came out to Indonesia, he was coming out to Indonesia um, to uh, to visit. Um, it was in the middle of probably. I couldn't think of, I've been in a few crises in my life and, but like the, the constellation of crises that all happened literally like just the week before he showed up was just, just crazy. So, um, so, so really the, the anecdote of the story is this. So we had a tragic, we had a tragedy at, um, at CWS Indonesia when I was there, one of the staff, he was an American, older American gentleman uh, named Bob and he uh, he he had a major stroke and passed away. And so I had to we had to air ambulance him to uh, to Singapore, and he he ended up dying a few days later in Singapore. Um, so so that was going on, right? We were receiving uh, because it was a food for work project. We were receiving um, rice from the u s. So literally our one of our biggest shipments was coming in that same week. And then, Rodney was coming to visit that week, and um, there was uh, a lot of, uh, at that time, student unrest in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So the students had taken over the South Sulawesi Airport. They had literally made like a human chain across the airport, and so, all of this was happening exactly at the same time, uh-huh. right when Rodney, my boss, right, the head of the agency was coming to visit. So, so <laughs> it was like, okay, so... so
1: <laughs> I'm laughing because I can picture all of this because I've, you know, I've lived there. So, yeah.
0: Like, yeah, so, I mean, our office, actually our church office, the, our church partner's office was firebombed essentially a mm-hmm. couple of weeks before. So it was just a crazy time in Indonesia. It was also during the period of instability, um, around suharto's leaving so it was just a a a a, a just a super kind of crazy moment in in my in in, in the life mm-hmm. of the organization and what you know trying to do but in the end it was just amazing um i mean it, the tragically bob passed away um and but so then i ended up leaving singapore and flying back to sulawesi uh rodney and sandy had already landed so the students it was so funny so i was talking on the phone to the staff there and i'm like what are we going to do? And they're like, and, and so the staff was like, yeah, don't worry. They'll be gone tomorrow. And I'm like, how do you know that? They're like, yeah, don't worry. They'll be gone tomorrow. And there, there they were, they were gone the next day. <laughs> so, but then Rodney and Sandy had to fly through, of course, I don't know if you remember this, but in Jakarta, mm-hmm. like the entire, the entire city was on lockdown yeah. because of these riots. And so, mm-hmm. so Rodney and Sandy tell this funny story where they're on this airplane coming in from Singapore and it was like, like basically, they were flying extra planes into to, to Jakarta to take people out. So the, they were flying essentially empty planes. So Rodney and Sandy were this elderly kind of American couple flying into Jakarta in the middle of this chaos. And they, were, they told me, like, the, the stewardess was always asking, are you sure you want to go there? <laughs> and Rodney's calling me going, are we sure we want to come here? I said, no worries. As soon as you get on the plane for Sulawesi, it'll be fine. And, and exactly that's what happened. Like they landed, mm. they took the plane back to, to, to took the plane to Sulawesi. Um, and so I, you know, we ended up visiting our partners and projects there. I have this great memory of taking Rodney to, I think it was called Genoponto, which was in the south. It was actually a more of a Muslim area of South Sulawesi. And we were doing a project with the local community. And so we show up and and the team had done the advance so uh if you of course remember Irma and Henry they mm-hmm. had essentially done the advance work on the trip of course they did the advance work a week before and between the time they did the advance work and the time we went there it rained for 5 days so we literally were going to be on these kind of uh, we we're going to walk through these um, rice paddies and and walk into like walk into the community and so so we get <laughs> there and so Rodney, Rodney's takes one step into the into the paddy. He puts his foot all the way down to his knee into the mud and he pulls his foot out with no with no sandal on his foot. So now he's barefoot. So so then we like, I'm like, okay, Rodney, we have two options. We can turn back or we can move on. And so Rodney says, Let's move on. And then he walked like through literally, we walked about a mile and a half through paddies, through rough, really rough. Uh, trails to get there because we couldn't drive the cars anymore Mm -hmm. and his feet were like sore and blistered and and I was just like okay I'm fired I'm just like (laughs) I know I'm gonna get back and this is my last day with church world service Um, but we got to the we got to the community they're all waiting for us there's like a hundred people there they were we were having conversations with them and at one point they were they were kind of they were actually it was it was an irrigation canal that we were refurbishing, and so Rodney decides to jump in. He grabs the pick and he <laughs> starts like helping them, and that the community just just loved it. Like just could not believe it uh-huh. and loved it. And so so anyway, it was a it was a great visit. Uh, he got to see the work firsthand. Um, you know, again, so I think that's just a metaphor mm-hmm. for everything that we do in this, in this world and with the work that we do is there's no straight line to, to development. Mm. There's just a series of obstacles that we have to overcome in order to get where we need to go. And, uh, you know, in the end, I think Rodney, I think he still tells some of that story. Um, I mean, I think, um, you know, just, just when I think back on those times, just how, uh, just how important they were in my development, in the you know, in the work of Church World Service, and the mm-hmm. relationships that we built, it was just really a, it was a wonderful time.
1: That's great. Yeah. No. And and, I mean, you touched upon many elements that that are absolutely key for the work of CWS and and one that I would like to raise here is context, of course, right, and, and you know, adjust and to see what is necessary in a particular situation, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen, like you, many of our projects around the world, including the US, and I, I think it's the linkage with the grassroots, um, which, it's not that we are the only one uh, who do that, but because of, you know, church relationships, um, um, that definitely is, is is most of the time is pretty solid, you know the, the linkage with the grassroots and, and what we try to do. So uh, no, thanks thanks for sharing that. Uh, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> I yeah. mean,
0: you was such a good sport. Running was such a. I mean, yeah. just all of that. Literally, like frankly, you know, today with our hyper awareness of security. I'm sure the secu- if we had the, the, the same level of security kind of infrastructure, they would have said, absolutely not. You cannot go. Right. Probably and,
1: not. <laughs> right. And so when he went,
0: you know, and he, but, but the, at that point, you know, it's really, you know, frankly, yeah. it's a, also, I would say the other piece that's really important for church world service. And I think for others is this notion of trust, you know, through our local partners and communities, through the churches that we are, we've created these incredible bonds of trust. And then we trust also that the people on the ground to take care of like what needs to be done. So Rodney had to, th- I mean, talk about a person of faith, right. To trust a literally, I, c- I can't imagine being essentially, you know, Rodney was in his, in his, in his early sixties at that time, you know, he's he and his wife, right. So, so Sandy came with him. We're getting on a plane and the plane's absolutely empty. And the people, you know, the people running the plane saying, are you crazy? Are you sure you want to go there? And he's like, <laughs> Yes, and so, it's like, <laughs> so I mean it just yeah. So it was. I mean it, it just the, the. I think what's critical on that for those local relationships and and the the relationships in general is trust, and, mm-hmm. and building building those and you don't build those, uh you know just easily. Um, you build them over time and and through a lot of uh, uh intentionality in, in terms mm-hmm. of of what we're doing. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Thank you so much for your for your for your time. I mean we um that Yeah, it feels the, like a trip down are...
0: memory lane.
1: <laughs> yeah, no no, this is great because we we have a lot of stories. Hey, thanks. So so we see right, each man. other a little bit later.
0: Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Maurice Okay.
1: Bye. All right. Take care. Yep. Bye.
0: Do you see you? Do you see me? Will
1: you be the eye so that we all can be Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to know more about Churchful Service, please go to cwsglobal.org.